Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A It's time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Well, the Brewers at 500, 11 and 11, after a big six and three road trip that concluded last Wednesday in Chicago. A homestand that saw the crew drop three out of four to the Cardinals, but bounced back with wins on Monday and Tuesday against the Reds. And uh, of course, it's been a big week again for Eric Thames. And the pitch, swing and a fly to right and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and gone for Eric Thames and he strikes again. That's number nine and he got it all. Ryan Braun has continued his solid start to 2017. Because Thames has unloaded them before every other AB. Now he smashes one into left center. That's going to be a base hit and go all the way to the wall. Thames is on the move. He'll be waved around third. Here comes the throw, and it's late. RBI double by Ryan Braun. It's 9-4, Brewers. And boy, has Ernan Perez come alive, and he is playing as good as anybody on the Brew Crew right now. One-strike pitch. Swing and a rocket into right center. It's down for a base hit. Pena's going to head for third, and he will be waved home by Eddie Cedar. There will be no relay, and Perez is into third. The Brewers having some great offensive performances right now. The final game in that Red Series is on tap for tonight at Miller Park. Before the homestand concludes over the weekend with the Braves coming to town for three, the Brewers' offense leads the majors in almost every major power category, and it has shown on the scoreboard so far. Back in against Mesa, who is working from the windup. The 0-1 pitch. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's got it! 3,000 for Robin! Now let's brew up the past. When you think back to the 1982 Brewers season, you think, of course, about the moniker, Harvey's Wallbangers. And the power and the personalities, the parade in Milwaukee after losing Game 7 of the Cardinals. But what fueled that great turnaround after a slow start? Why was this team able to handle the adversity of having to win on the final day of the season in Baltimore to win the division and clinch their berth into the ALCS? A big part of it was their chemistry. Firing Buck Rogers and promoting Harvey Keene certainly helped that chemistry come together in the mind of second baseman Jim Gantner. I guess, you know, uh, we had Buck there. He's really a good baseball man, but uh, I think he had a little trouble. You know, we had a veteran team, and I think he was trying to overcoach us a little bit too much. A lot of the veterans got a little upset with him, and uh, so the chemistry as far as the team goes was not there. And uh, then they bring in Harvey Keene, who's a player's manager, and uh, he came in the first day and said, you know, we're, this is the only meeting I'm going to have, and said, you know, you guys, I'm going to make the lineup out, and all I expect you guys to do is go out and play hard and uh, do what you can do, and uh, don't worry about one thing but have fun. For left-hander Jerry Augustine, the team loved to have fun, but they were all business once the lights went on. No, uh, we did an interview with Robin Young. He said, if you really look at the team, were you really close? Probably not outside the ballpark. I, I think there were 
groups that hung out together in some uh, shapes or fashions. But I think inside that clubhouse, when you walked in that door, it was all about the same thing. And that was about doing what you have to do to help your team win and do and go and get your work in. And when you come in the game, you know you're going to have ups and downs. Be able to control, be able to have fun with the ups and control the downs. And I think that's what happened with that ball club. I think everybody was in the same pace. Everybody was uh, trying to do the same thing. And I really think it when they had they went through a, a bad spot or we went through a bad spot, I should say. You know what? It, it was like, what was the problem? And then all of a sudden we had the problem with Buck and, we, and Harvey took over. And then everything kind of just mellowed out. And in baseball, there are always things that keep you entertained and occupied. For the 82 team, it was their love for the game of flip, a game in which players formed a circle and flipped the ball back and forth with their gloves, and it could get a little dangerous at times. Brewers GM Harry Dalton eventually had to shut it down. Here's Gantner. Well, you know, we'd be in a clubhouse, and then, you know, before a game, everybody was out on the field playing flip, and, uh, you know, nobody was sitting around in a clubhouse. So before games, it helped us get loose until we had some injuries and they cut it off. But, uh, you know, everybody came out, pitchers, fueling guys, and uh, playing flip kept us together, kept us on each other, and uh, we had a lot of fun with it and got us loose. And like I said, we did it as a team and uh, had a lot of fun with it. And our team was, you know, have fun, but then when we got between the lines, play hard. The 82 Brewers, a team that will always be remembered for their great accomplishments on the field, but were fueled by great chemistry off. Let's break it down. This is Brewers on Tap, and we're joined by Brewers hitting coach Darnell Coles. And what a start to the year it's been for the offense. You have to be very pleased with uh, the way this offense has produced. I'm sure there's a lot of things you want to see improve and, and get better moving forward, but the early returns you have to feel pretty good about, do you? I do, especially coming off the spring training we had. We had a great spring training. Um, you know, getting Hernan back on track, getting VR back on track, obviously not playing a whole lot with the uh, World Baseball Classic, so, you know, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. Keon's kind of got off to a slow start. You know, but those guys are working, and, and, and we're getting as much work as we can uh, uh, when you're trying to balance not overworking. So, um, you know, Bronny's gotten off to a great start. Obviously, Eric, that speaks for itself. I think that's uh, national news that he's got off to a great start. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, our offense is passing the torch to the next guy. I think we're a more cohesive unit. Again, still the, the strikeouts are a, a struggle for me just based on the fact that uh, when you strike out, you're not moving a guy, you're not getting a guy in, you know, that sort of thing. And, again, it's not something that we harp on, but it's just something we want to get better at. The strikeout conversation is always an interesting one because what you said is true. It, it's, it's an at-bat where you're not – moving a runner you're not getting closer to scoring a run or scoring a run necessarily however if you're going to put up the power numbers that the brewers are putting up right now sometimes there's going to be some strikeouts that come along with it how do you balance that conversation in your mind well i don't never balance it in my mind i mean because again i'm always about putting the ball in play but again you got to take with the good uh the home runs and and what that means and we've had a lot of two and three run home runs so it puts a, a big number up quick you know but at the end of the day you know, for us to be a cohesive unit, we still have to minimize our strikeouts and max, maximize putting the ball in play. Eric Thames is off to this unbelievable, really historic start. 
um, here in this first month of the season. Everybody understands that everybody's following it. But he said some things after the game yesterday that I thought were really interesting, and they should be things that make fans smile about his future in this organization because he talked about having a couple of days where he wasn't real happy with his swing and his approach after all these great things that he's done and coming out and getting extra work in with you yesterday and making sure that um, he was staying flat with his swing and, and, and of course, goes out and has this, this great night again last night. What does that say about his maturity uh, and, and the way he approaches the game on a daily basis? Well, I, I think it goes back to, um, you know, at least from a player's perspective, not feeling like you got an opportunity to play at the major league level. You have to go reinvent yourself in Korea. He does that. He's his own hitting coach for three years. He figures it out. He matures as a hitter and uh, gets an opportunity to come back and show uh, what he's learned and how he's matured. So I think any and everything that he's done has been uh, special, including some. We've hit some games uh, after the game, too. So, again, he, he just has a feel and a work ethic where he feels like he wants to have a certain feel, that he wants to feel like his head and body are in a great position to stay behind the ball, and, and uh, the results are what they are. I think that uh, he's done a great job, obviously, um, and I just look forward to continuing to, to learn about him, earn his trust. Because, um, again, you know, when you've been your own hitting coach and, and you're doing good things, you know, you know, some like to jump in and, and try and get a feel for uh, it being all about them instead of not cheating the process. And I think he's done a great job of doing that. His ability to not chase seems to be one of the things a lot of people are talking about from his first go-round in Major League Baseball to now. He's just not chasing. He's getting himself, for the most part, into good counts and getting getting strikes, and he's hitting them when he's getting them. Is that the biggest thing that has changed in his approach that you can see from, from what you saw from him last time around to now? Well, I, I think that, um, but also stance-wise, his stance is, is similar but not the same. I think that he was a little more pigeon-toed, um, you know, so that you kind of roll in and roll out a little more. Now he, his base is a little more stable and that it's, it's square. And then now he's able to stop when he sees a ball, not roll out, and, and have to anticipate more. So I think that he's done a, a great job of reinventing himself. It's my job and uh, Jason Lane's job to make sure that we stay on top of things so that he feels fine. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get a hit every time. But uh, the battle is getting in a good position as much as you possibly can, laying out your A swing as often as you can, and, and getting the results that he has. You mentioned Aaron Perez getting going a little bit. It seems like his discipline at the plate has improved. It's probably not a coincidence that he's starting to drive the baseball more, too. No, I don't think so. I think that Hernan has, he came over from Detroit a couple years ago. Uh, we made a few minor changes uh, with the swing to add a little more power. Uh, but again, he was still chasing. The power numbers went up, but he was still chasing. But now um, he's, he's found a way to recognize early enough to where he doesn't chase as often. Again, you're still going to chase at some point in time. But at the end of the day, you're trying to put yourself in the best position to see the ball, recognize up, down, in, or out velocity, and then lay your A swing on it. And he's done a great job of doing that. What has been your reaction to the the play at the plate you're getting from both catchers right now makes it difficult to figure out which guy you want to put in the lineup some days I'm sure (laughs) I think that's a great option for counts I think that um, both guys are uh, great at calling game both guys have done a great job of putting the ball in play and swinging the bat Um, they throw out runners I think that um, we've got a good group they understand what we're trying to accomplish 
as a core group and they stay within the framework of that. I think that uh, we backpick a few more times, we, we throw runners out. I just think that it's a special group that we set the standard last year, now we're trying to raise the bar. Yeah, there was a lot of talk in the offseason about getting a little bit more left-handed in the lineup, balancing the lineup out a little bit more. But on top of that, the lefties are hitting lefties right now. That has to make you smile. Uh, that's a beautiful thing because, again, you, you never know what you're, what you're getting you know, when you're coming from other organizations. But Travis Shaw's come in and done a great job, obviously. Eric's done a great job, too. Uh, but at the end of the day, it lengthens our lineup with Bronny in between them. It allows him to get, not get pitched around, uh, so he's going to get better pitches to hit. Um, and, and at the end of the day, it just lengthens our lineup, and, and now you go lefty, righty, righty, lefty, righty. So, again, it just uh, gives us a better opportunity for guys not to bring a lefty in to pitch to two or three guys. He'll pitch to one, and then they'll have to make a decision on the other. And so far, so good. The results have been good on our side. Well, you have to be enjoying this so far. Uh, best of luck as it goes forward, and congratulations on what's been a good start to the year. Thanks, Lane. I appreciate it. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. How about we look at some Sabermetrics involving Eric Thames? And we start with home run to fly ball ratio. Thames going into Tuesday night's action, currently at a 52.6% home run to fly ball ratio. In 2011, when he was with the Blue Jays, he was at 11.7%. And in 2012, he was at 8.2% when he was a Mariner. Furthermore, his O-swing percentage, or pitches swung at outside of the zone, the percentage of pitches that he swings at outside of the strike zone, it's at 16.7%. And that is down over half of where he was the last time he was in Major League Baseball. In 2012, he swung at 34.7% of the pitches he saw that were outside the zone. So what this means is that he's being more selective. He's not swinging at pitches outside the zone. He's not swinging at balls. He's swinging at the right pitches. And that would be evidenced by the numbers that you're seeing. He has 11 home runs now. He leads the majors by a long ways. And he's literally the talk of baseball. The 11 long balls already has set a new Brewers franchise record for the month of April. And by the way, there's still four games left in the month. Checking in on the farm. As we go down on the farm, we look at some of the recent notes and developments from the Brewers on the minor league side. Let's start in AAA. Brett Phillips has had a very nice start to his AAA career. The Brewers really challenged him this year by putting him in AAA after some struggles last year in AA. And boy, has he responded. He had his fourth home run in his last five games for the Sky Sox on Monday. And he finished that contest going two for three. Three runs scored a home run and an RBI. He's now hitting 304 going into Tuesday's action with five home runs, and he's driven in 14. He's also drawn six walks on the year, so he is doing a lot of good things right now at the plate, and he's also hitting lefties well. He's four for ten against lefties with a home run. Staying in AAA, Colorado Springs. Brandon Woodruff improved to 4-0 and with the Sky Sox on Monday. He tossed six scoreless frames, allowed just three hits, a walk, and he struck out five. His ERA is now at 1.61. Five walks, 17 strikeouts. He's holding right-handed hitters to just a 179 average. There's 10 of 56 
against Brandon Woodruff, who was last year's organizational minor league pitcher of the year, splitting his time between high A Brevard County and double A Biloxi. Had that amazing run from July into August of only giving up just a handful of earned runs over an eight-start stretch, and he has been absolutely dominant to start his AAA career. Keep an eye on Brandon Woodruff and what the Brewers want to do with him moving forward. If he has another month or two of dominating, not domination on the mound, it'll be interesting to see if the crew gives him a shot at some point, especially if there's a necessity uh, to put him out on the mound for the big league club. Also, Monte Harrison has really been turning heads in Class A Wisconsin. He's reached base in 15 of his 17 games. He's hitting 333, nine runs, four doubles, five home runs, 14 RBIs, five walks, and a steal. He owns a 391 on base percentage and he's slugging at a 635 clip. Monte, healthy and performing very, very well for the Timber Rattlers. And Jake Gatewood in Carolina is doing good things in high A. He's hitting 333, 19 of 57. 12 runs, 6 doubles, a home run, 5 RBIs, 10 walks in just 16 games. It's been really good to see Jake Gatewood get it going. Lucas Ersig also batting 302 in 13 games this year. Speaking of the Carolina Mudcats, one of the best, best prospects in Carolina is second baseman slash shortstop Isan Diaz. And I had a chance to catch up with him back during spring training. Isan Diaz is our guest, last year's player of the year in the minor league side of the organization. And uh, it's been it's been a crazy 12 months for you, obviously. You get drafted or get traded last year, um, you know, not too long before the season starts. And and that, that was an adjustment for you. You and I have talked about it. It wasn't uh, the easiest adjustment at first, but once you made that adjustment, you really took off. What, what got you comfortable, in your opinion, and allowed you to start to really prosper? I think once I got to the complex here and once I threw on the uniform and kind of got comfortable with all the coaching staff and was able to, you know, just trying to fit in and uh, just find my comfort zone. And once I found that and, and kind of just got familiar with the organization and how everything works here, everything kind of just fell in place and uh, just kind of found a new home, a new place to just play the game I love and, and try to represent uh, who I am and where I come from, you know, as best I could. You've had back-to-back really good years. MVP of the Pioneer League two years ago. Last year, um, you were really in the conversation, quite frankly, in the Midwest League for MVP. Ended up being the Minor League Player of the Year for the Brewers. Do you feel your confidence level rising each year right now? Absolutely. I mean, every year is uh, is different. Obviously, you know, it's the same thing. You know, the same. You have another season to perform, and I just think uh, every year the goal is to be better than the year before. And, uh, you know, right now it's just trying to just forget about last year, you know, the 20 home runs and, you know, uh, minor league player of the year and all that good stuff. Just trying to throw that in 2016 and let's focus on trying to, you know, double that and be better than what that was. So uh, I think this year is going to be a great year. There's a lot of good things coming for us. And, um, and hopefully we can uh, make some strides this year. Sports are a very what have you done for me lately type of thing. Is that a lesson to learn early on in your career? Um, yeah, but I, I think that, uh, you know, whoever has the mind for it, you know, you can, uh, you can accomplish anything. Isan Diaz is our guest here on Brewers on Tap TV. Uh, we've talked about the cold weather early on in the Midwest League, and, and that was a little bit of a shock to the system. Did you adjust to the weather, or did the weather warm up, and, and how much did that play a part in you really taking off to? 
Um, well, I adjusted to the weather. Obviously, I come from the, from that type of weather, and I know what that weather feels like. So um, I think it, it was just something just to get used to. Obviously, you were coming from spring training where it's really hot, and you get yeah. used to that, and then now you got to go play in cold weather. But um, I think it was it was something got used to a couple of weeks after. I mean, it, it kind of sucked. I mean, just playing in it every day, but. Um, you know, you're playing the game. Uh, it's just something that you know you kind of got to just fight through it and and uh, and make the best out of it. You got a chance to get a piece of the Arizona Fall League last year, and uh, you drew a lot of attention. A lot of people were coming to watch your BPs. A lot of people were talking about what you showed. What was it like to get exposure to maybe some Double A and Triple A level arms too? Was that was that good for you? Do you feel like you learned a lot from that experience? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's really different compared to the Midwest League, and and you can kind of see the difference between pitchers in the higher level compared to the lower level. Um, there's just more control, you know, more more awareness of how to and, and how to pitch. You know, it's a different kind of uh, you know hitters. Uh, you know the the way they they kind of approach the zone and then how they want you to just bite that pitches down in the zone and and just different kind of pitches you know cutters balls that are moving very sharply and consistently for strikes, which was uh, which was something different and um, but obviously that's just something that you know you the more you see it the better you get at trying to hit it and um, I think you know it, it was fun it was a great experience I had a great time and and uh, I definitely learned a lot. Did you last year when you were announced as the Player of the Year in the organization? Was that something you were, once the season ended, that you thought, hey, I could I could get this award? Or was it kind of a surprise when they called it? No, it was definitely a surprise. I, I didn't think anything about it or, or of it. Uh, I wasn't really focused on it. I wasn't really just paying attention that, yeah, I want to win the player of the year. I was just trying to go out and perform as best I could. And, and uh, you know, being able to accept that award was great. And then, uh, you know, it was just, for me, it was something that, hey, you know, first year in an organization, you know, Having that award kind of shows a lot. You know, they, they kind of, you know, they really got an eye on you. So, you, I've heard you talk about Robinson Cano in the past, a guy that you kind of paid attention to uh, playing the game when you were younger. Uh, he's a second baseman. You, you've played a lot of shortstop, but you can play second base too. You know, what are your thoughts on being anywhere in that middle infield moving forward? Um, I like, I mean, I like second base. It's, it's easy, uh, but obviously, shortstop, I've, I've played shortstop all my life. So, um, if, you know, one day I become a second baseman full time, then you know it, it's it's okay because I'm I'm familiar with it now. But uh, I think I like the whole you know swapping back and forth middle infield. It's always good to have more positions in your back pocket. Does it amaze you how many middle infielders are in this system right now? There's a lot of yeah, really a lot talented and guys. a lot of good ones too. And but it's okay. I mean, you get to learn from them, which is the good thing. And obviously players here, you know, they know something you don't know. And you know, throughout the year, throughout the spring training, you get to learn from them and kind of apply it to your game and get better. So. It's always great. Isan, we appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you. My thanks to Isan Diaz for joining us here on Checking In on the Farm. The Brewers minor league affiliates going into Tuesday night's action. Colorado Springs off to just an amazing start at 12-5. and They're in first place in their division, the American Northern of the Pacific Coast League. The Shuckers at 7-11 and going into Tuesday night's action. That's tied for fourth in the Southern League in the South Division. The Mudcats at 8-8 eight and eight going into Tuesday's action in the Southern Division of the Carolina League. And the T-Rats, 9-9, nine and nine, tied for third in the Western Division of the Midwest League, three games back for the Timber Rattlers. That is checking in on the farm. Now let's see what's coming up. Here's what's on tap. All right, this weekend's going to be a lot of fun to come out to the ballpark, and the Braves coming to town 
All weekend long, fans can enjoy $4 beers, dollar hot dogs, and small sodas, and $4 nachos as part of Spring Madness 414. That's part of Spring Madness 414. Brewers and Braves on Friday at 710. That's a free shirt Friday. First 20,000 fans will receive a long sleeve Brewers t-shirt. Saturday the 29th, the 610 start. And Sunday the 30th at 110, Orlando Arcea wristband giveaway. Plus, kids eat free. All kids in attendance receive a pair of Orlando Arcea player wristbands. All kids 1400 get that free lunch, hot dog, bottled water, apple sauce, and an ice cream treat. And after the game, kids also come down on the field and run the bases. And again, Spring Madness 414, $4, 16-ounce beers, dollar hot dogs, small sodas, and $4 nachos at all three games, Brewers against the Braves. Great seats still available. Call 414-902-4000 or visit brewers.com slash tickets. That is going to do it for us and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap, episode number 79 of the books. How about episode number 80 coming your way next week? Looking forward to it. Have a good week, everyone. I'm Lane Grindle.